Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and every episode we get into what has made our guests vulnerable and how they've learned how to own their awkward in order to live their best life. Stay tuned so you can hear every awkward moment in today's show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Own Your Awkward podcast. I am super excited today to have my very funny, very talented friend, comedian Monica Nevy with us. Monica, welcome. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I've you know, known you for a few years now, and every time I see you perform, I laugh at jokes I've already heard even harder the first time. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> like same stuff, jokes. but it's good. No, <laughs> no, there's okay. always a good mix of new stuff. But even when it's something I've already heard, I'm like, oh, I hope she says this one. And <laughs> <laughs> good, that's good. You always want that as a comedian. I feel like musicians get that more than we do. You know, right? Yeah, because how many times do we listen to the same songs or watch? The yeah, same over and over again. Comedians should be allowed to do that. You can have favorites. <laughs> exactly. And there are comedians when I, you know, I see the same joke in a movie and I still laugh at it. So yeah. Yeah, why does our job have to be harder? <laughs> That's funny. So, Monica, uh, you are a nationally touring comedian. You got all sorts of good stuff going on. What's the most positive thing you see in the world right now? You know, it's uh, I think a lot of things look a lot scarier than they are at the moment. And I just um, I just got back yesterday from being in well more southern states. Not I was in Ohio, Kentucky, and uh, then Indianapolis. So. It's the first time I've traveled that far in quite a while, just from, you know, lots of stuff going on. And because it has been so divided, I was a little nervous and actually it was great. Everyone was very sweet and same Southern charm that I have always liked. And um, sometimes I get a little nervous to talk more about um, being gay when I'm in the South and they didn't kill me. So that's good. Um, <laughs> you know, you get a little nervous, but I do it anyways. And then, no, they were great. And so sweet. And kind of that same thing I've always really liked about the South, which is the opposite of the Northwest, which is they talk to anybody and everybody and they want to check in on you and see how you're doing. And, um, it was still that same vibe. And I felt very, um, yeah, I felt like they liked me. So that was a good, it gave me a little bit more of a positive outlook on the whole country instead of as divided by region, especially as it feels sometimes. So, sure. you know, that's beautiful to hear because, you know, we're, we're subjected to what we hear either through social media or through, through the press and that's filtered by somebody's lens. Yeah. And we forget that there are good people everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think even, yeah. Even going like, oh, we're from different places or, or, or even, you know, maybe you believe a couple of different things than me. I, we've almost lost the ability to be like, oh, but you're still a person. And I'm sure there's something we can agree on or get along about or whatever. And I do think that still exists. I think yeah. we don't have to hate each other as much as we've been told right. we have to. So that was, it was nice to hear it for, coming from that Southern accent again, and everyone just being excited and happy that you were there and said I was from Seattle and nobody got mad about it so that was good <laughs> I love that well yeah and I also I, I'm a big believer that we kind of you know we we foretell whatever situation we're going to walk into and if we walk into it expecting animosity and fighting and all this stuff then that's kind of what we end up finding yeah absolutely no I agree and uh, you know whatever being from the northwest we can be 
um, a little stuck in our ways as well and have not the best outlook on some other areas of the country. And sometimes mm -hmm. when I tell people that like, you know, I actually Memphis, Tennessee is one of my favorite cities. They're like, what, why? And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's different, but have you been there? No, of course not. So they don't, you know, it's yeah. Going in and expecting to just have a good time and hope for the best, uh, usually ends up, there's a lot of people out there. You're going to find right. somebody that's going to be your friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you'll attract like, you know, people that, and I hate to say like-minded because that's not always, you don't have to be completely like-minded, but people that you can get along with and vibe with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that so still look, exists. So that's good. Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love that. And that just, I think gives a lot of hope to be not just our own country, but the world that you can go places and find that. Yeah. It was pretty hopeful to me because, you know, cause I hadn't really, uh, uh traveled much since then. So yeah. Yeah. Now, now it's, yeah, it's still, it's still the way that I liked it before. So that's good. That's awesome. Well, you know why you're here. Everybody wants to know about your awkwardness. So what's that thing that you've had? What's that awkward thing you've had to own to, to get to this amazing life you're living? You know, I do love the idea of like owning it because I had always like told people kind of how I was as a kid and I got bullied a lot for it. And, um, instead of maybe trying to become somebody that I wasn't, I just stayed the same forever. And eventually that became a really good thing about me. So kind of reading more about, um, just your podcast and stuff and kind of the angle, I think that fits pretty well. And so when I was growing up, I was very much a tomboy, um, which is what we used to call it then. I don't know. Um, did not, <laughs> did not care about what I looked like, um, wasn't interested in girl clothes, if you want to put it that way. Most of my friends were boys, um, you know, played sports and all that stuff. And yeah, at the time, everybody called that being a tomboy. And then I was pretty like, once you get to middle school, because I really didn't change that. I never put my hair up like ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was, I, you don't know much about me, but I was a basketball player. I played basketball all the way through college. And so it wasn't until like maybe fifth grade that I put my hair up. So I was playing basketball with my hair down, like oh, all wow. the time. <laughs> you don't see that that often. No. And it's dumb. Don't do it. But, <laughs> and then once I put it up, I would like only wear it up. So oh. then until probably until like college, I really wore my hair up like all the time, which is a weird, I don't know. There's maybe there's some security I find with my hair, but, um, yeah, it was just this like, uh, yeah, it was just the tomboys, very quiet, very shy. And so it wasn't even a, like when I was getting bullied, I was just kind of like, okay, you know, like just didn't really, I didn't fight back. I didn't, you know, when I was really young in yeah. like elementary school, I got in fights a little bit, but then, yeah, as I got older, it was just like, whatever. And then it was like seventh grade, maybe where basically one of the cool girls we sat next to each other in science class and she talked a lot and she started talking to me. Like, I think it bothered her that I like didn't talk very much. Mm. And we started talking and she just thought I was really funny and did not care that I was, you know, what the other mean girls <laughs> were saying about right. me. <laughs> and, uh, and also never said like, cause it wasn't when I was younger, girls would be like, let, let me give you a makeover. 
Like, let me give you a makeover. Let me, let's put some makeup on you. Let's do this, which I like. And it's funny because as I've gotten older, I've gotten more feminine or more kind of, I feel good doing those things, but I just never really did when I was younger. And I was very focused on sports at the time. Um, but she never did that. And so then I started to see value and just like, just me being the way I was, was okay, you know, and, and actually kind of cool at certain times. And, and I'm sure humor was a defense mechanism in that, um, in those situations, because I was like, if I can distract you by making fun of something else or making something funny, then maybe you'll forget that I don't fit in with what you think the girls are supposed to be like. And then I kind of became friends. I mean, I became friends with her and then all of her other friends were like, <laughs> like mean girls style, like the uh, plastics, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like just very into what brands they were wearing, uh, makeup, different things. Our school was interesting. Like half was from more where I was from, uh, Renton, Washington a little bit. It's not like low income, but you know, lower middle-class. And then there, the other half of the school was from like Newcastle, which is actually like a pretty rich right. area in Washington state. So they were more from that side and yeah, I just didn't really fit in, but also didn't care to, I don't know. Now I think about it and I go, I don't know why I didn't like feel more pressure, like try to change certain things. I don't know, but pretty awesome that you didn't, because I think the majority of time when we hear people talk about that time in their life, it's this urge to give into the crowd or to really struggle with the fact that I'm not like everybody else, or I have to, be in this mold in order to actually feel okay. And you kind of took that the other way from way younger than most people would. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. My parents never really made me feel bad about it. Mm. Um, some other adults did, you mm. know, there was a lot of like, uh, why don't you wear dresses? Oh, you'll never wear a dress, which is also the odd, like awkward thing. Like people would be like, oh, you must not like dresses. And then I'd wear a dress and they'd be like, oh my God, look at you wearing wow. I'm like, why make it weird? You were just talking shit that I didn't. Right. Like, I want to wear, leave me alone, you know? Yeah, it was, like, I'm I never, on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like every single thing that you would do mm-hmm. is uh, just scrutinized essentially. And I don't know if it's still like that, but that was pretty common <laughs> just to be like, you should be more like us. And then when you, you're like, okay. And then they're like, why are you trying to be like us? You're like, Jesus Christ, what do you, <laughs> what do you want me well, to do here? And I think about like that mean girls mentality of where they're like, oh, we should give you a makeover. And, and, and I try to see like, okay, are they, is this the only way that they understand that something can be positive? So they feel like they're giving you this gift of, yeah, like, maybe. Gift of beauty and you're like, I don't need it. So I'm okay without all of that. Eventually when we, you know, I think they came to terms with the fact that I wasn't really going to change and that was okay. And then, um, kind of the really, like the meaner girls ended up, you know, once we got to high school, they were not very popular. And then some of the other friends that I had made just got nicer essentially. And, Mm -hmm. and that girl that I sat next to in science class is still my best friend. I officiated her wedding, you know, she'll be at mine. That's, you know, uh, yeah, it eventually maybe it became more obvious to me that if people could like me just for who I am and not necessarily me trying to fit in, then I should also give them that benefit of the doubt and say, you know, even though maybe we're, uh, whatever, don't have the same amount of money, don't dress the same, that kind of thing, we could still be friends. And so eventually it kind of weeds itself out, but mm-hmm. yeah, in high school, I was actually like, pretty popular. I mean, I think that may have had a lot to do with sports. I was, you know, a good athlete and, Mm -hmm. um, 
got, you know, whatever I was in the newspaper when I was younger and things like that. And so that could have helped. Um, but also I think eventually people went, well, she's not going to change. So we might as well stop Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to do it. (laughs) And then, you know, I was prom queen and all that stuff. So, wow. Well, it's interesting that, yeah, you, you, you really could own it and not, not have to step into that, but then have that be so accepted at a time in most people's lives when that biggest fear is that rejection, at least. For yeah. When it is weird. Cause now I think back on it a lot and kind of how, cause it's still, I think a lot of it was that I was just quiet. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really get, I didn't fight about it, but it didn't mean there wasn't like internal issues with it where I didn't feel, you know, I was like, well, maybe I should be different. Everyone's fucking telling me I should be different, you know? Right. Um, and then coming to terms with the fact that I am gay, you go, okay, well, I don't want people to just assume because I was a tomboy that I'm gay, but also I don't want to hate myself for being gay. Like there was a weird uh, back and forth internally about that and kind of like, I don't even know. I don't, I did want to also, I don't know when people stereotype you, then you don't want to be that stereotype, which isn't like a, right. doesn't necessarily help the, no, you, it's, but it's, it's a weird tricky. reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, okay, if I don't necessarily want to be in the stereotype, but also I think sometimes it's, you might not see yourself the way that they see you and and they see either the stereotype they're trying to put you in or pieces of you in that stereotype. And then that means the way that usually comes out is that, well, then all of these other things go with that same stereotype. And that's not necessarily right. true. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Anyway, I had. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had issues with that. But then it was just um, and maybe that's why, you know, I have a good group of people in my life from when I was younger and I do pride myself on my ability to make first impression, like for, you know, get a, get a, um, a correct vibe from someone off the first impression, you know? And I do think that has a lot to do with it with like, um, yeah, just experience of like who was mean to me and why, and, um, then who was nice to me and why, and it, and it turns out it doesn't have as much to do with whatever where they're from or how they look or any of that as it does to just like just who you actually are which means you have to talk to people not everybody wants to do that but um, (laughs) you gotta get to know them so yeah well I think there's a couple things that are unfortunate well one is and this isn't unfortunate necessarily but uh you very much sounded confident in high school and that's that makes a big difference if you're confident no matter how vocal or how you appear then that kind of takes away that firing power that people have. Yeah, it was interesting because I was I was definitely confident in a, a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to really maybe embrace that I was funny. Like I always enjoyed being funny. It was always helpful. It made me feel more comfortable around, yeah. you know, older kids or whatever, if I could be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really identify as that. I wanted to be seen as like this exceptional athlete that people would be like, oh, well, you're cool because you're good at basketball, basically. Thing, right? yeah. yeah, which is a weird thing. But when I was younger, it wasn't, it was not like that. I was so shy. And even now, like mm-hmm. I'm pretty shy or I just, uh, I'm kind of a low energy person. <laughs> and so <laughs> people don't really understand that with stand up. You know, they're like, but you, you know, you're, you get in front of people all the time. And isn't that, and it's not when I'm on stage, I don't feel, I get nervous before, uh, but I feel very confident up there. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I get off stage, I go, I wish I could 
be like that all the time, you know? And oh, so right. maybe like, there was part of bring that. that off the stage with me. Yeah. I feel exhausted afterwards sometimes. You know, when people talk to you after shows and stuff, you're like, all right, I'm almost out here. But yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe that's because that from basketball, like in the game, I didn't think about anybody, you know, that was watching us or whatever. That wasn't, I was just focused on the thing I was doing and I was confident in that. And right. so maybe you pulse some of that or you just are reminded that like, Hey, I have this other thing that I am good at. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and that was the thing that I was starting to say about unfortunate is that we tie whether or not someone is have has a lack of confidence to how vocal they are. So if, if you're yeah. quiet, all of a sudden you're deemed as you must have insecurity issues or you must not be comfortable or you must be afraid. And sometimes you just don't like to talk. Yeah. And yeah. That's fine. Oh, I was reading some, I don't even know if it was, I think it was just an article, but just about how, you know, our world is set up to reward the extrovert. Mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they are uh, better or, you know, right. in whatever the certain field is, they're just more vocal and that's what people hear about. And I was like, oh, i had never really thought of that, but that's true. Like I don't, uh, it's taken me years and years to really value the other things that I do, whatever podcasts, other writing, different stuff like that, because mm -hmm. I was just afraid that, I don't know, people wouldn't like it or something, but I, so it takes me a long time to like put things out. Um, and then you watch some other people and you're like, this is garbage. And they did not think about this very long, but <laughs> yeah. then being all confident and sticking it out there. So it just takes me longer to really like gain a confidence in something that I'm doing. Yeah. And, and the thing is, no matter what your vibe is, whether you're more quiet and dry or, you know, boisterous and over the top, you're going to, you're going to attract your people. Your crowd yeah. is going to find the people that vibe with you and like you. Yeah. So, and that's what I want, you know? Yeah. Not like, that I, I don't. People that are my people. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to try and fake it to the mean girls. Right. I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't dislike <laughs> you know, people who are a little bit more over the top than I am. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I can admire someone who has a different skill set than I do, but it's also like, not everything is for everybody. That's what right. I get. Like, you know, you get mean YouTube comments all the time. I'm like, well, if you don't like it, it wasn't for you. Yeah. This is for I, a different person. <laughs> I never understand that. It's like, why did you take the time to say, I don't like, like how negative yeah. is your I'm life? Like, I watched this whole thing and I'm like, look, that's still a view. And this is still a comment. So I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for taking the time to do that because it helps. <laughs> I know. I never know how to handle those comment comments. And sometimes my thing is I had a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago and someone commented about the person and they were this person's filth. And I was just like, Yes, I'm getting negative attention. That must yeah. <laughs> you know what? Nothing gets you more popular than negative attention. <laughs> exactly. And, I was like, and, and, and the ironic thing is the episode was about the person's awkward was about the need to be liked. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. many terms of the fact that not everyone's going to like them. And well, I, I just it... want to say you've proven our point. Thank yeah, you. maybe the, maybe I'm the opposite. Then I have like I was a, there was a fear of being liked or something or just, you know, yeah. Fear of attention because it was negative for a long time. I don't know. But so, you know, when you started to shift to where you realize, like, I, I don't need to make over, I don't need to be liked. Did you notice? Was there a point where you kind of noticed a change in how you held yourself? I think in retrospect, I can kind of 
see that, but I don't think at the time I really noticed I would, I'm a, and I still am like this. Like I tried to focus on one or two things that I'm doing at a time. And that makes everything else that maybe isn't going as well feel not as bad. <laughs> I don't sure. know if that's healthy now that I said it out loud, but, um, <laughs> you know, so in high school or whatever it was, I was very focused on sport and, um, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. It didn't. And I think I, maybe I gained confidence from some of the other things. Mm-hmm. And, and so it definitely, now I go, oh yeah, I definitely felt different, especially the older I got in high school than I did, you know, middle yeah. school or whatever. But I don't know if I noticed it at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah, by the end of it, I was, uh, you know, involved in student body and put on the dances and but was still an athlete and all that stuff. So there was more of like, I was in with the people that I thought, you know, or whatever are portrayed as like the mean high school people, maybe, which actually it doesn't end up being those people. It's really kind of a weird, cause you know, in movies or whatever, they're like, Oh, it's the, the quarterback and the cheerleaders and they're right. mean to everybody. And I'm like, our cheerleaders were kind of nerdy too. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, just in, yeah. And with a more, involved group i would say uh maybe not cool but you know involved Um, like every uh stereotypical high school movie i just recently watched romy and michelle's high school reading because i hadn't watched that for years i love that movie oh yeah i hadn't seen it forever it just popped up on on prime like i need to watch this again but is that that whole story right of everybody thought they were worse off than everybody and everybody was making somebody miserable but really everybody felt like crap and everybody undervalued or were coming to terms with something and whatever thing we were bringing is what we were putting on. And for me, I was just that loner guy that was like, kept my coat on and just ate lunch outside. I was like, I don't want anybody to know anything about me. I'm just going to zip it out. I don't know why I kept my coat on is such a perfect, like, (laughs) man, I went through a period of time as a basketball player. Uh And this was like maybe sixth grade, something where, you know, you do camps during the summer. Yeah. And at that time, like my body was changing. I'm a woman. Right. And, uh, so I had to start wearing bras oh, yeah. and I thought that was weird, you know, cause I hadn't worn bra before. Yeah. And so I had like a cut off, you know, like a Jersey type of shirt with the oh, bra underneath yeah. and I didn't want anybody to see it. So I played the whole day in like a sweater. Oh yeah. Like just playing basketball in this long <laughs> sweatshirt because I just didn't want anyone to see that I had a bra on. Yeah, I just can't imagine like how hot that would be. It was so hot. And I was like rolling the sleeves up and stuff. And I was like, why don't you take that off? I'm like, don't worry about it. Yeah, just no, it's attached. <laughs> but yeah, because yeah, then you don't want to explain why you're wearing the sweater. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't. wear the tank top? Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, but it's true. I think we we've all had those spaces. And I think just igno- just understanding you know, like you said, like you didn't necessarily see it at the time, but looking back, you can see it. I think that all we can really do is try to take that lesson into, well, now when I go into a new situation, who are the people that I think might be, you know, putting on a front or, you know, you, you said that you have a pretty good ability to read people right away, but kind of remember, well, you know, maybe they're in that space that, that I want. Well, and I think now, you know, I mean, with what we do, it attracts a lot of um, people who are sometimes in a vulnerable space or, or in transition, you know, I mean, I found stand up in a really dark time in my life. And so I think that's pretty common. And so for the most part, 
and I'm not saying that all standups are sad or whatever the stereotype is, but there's just other things going on usually. Mm -hmm. And so it's a good space to just be like, you can come here and just be here. And that maybe is what's attractive sometimes. But I also think about it with kids and that, you know, you can tell them like, I know it seems like it is really bad right now or like it's going to be like this forever, but it really isn't. And I think I had, you know, told myself things like that before in my life, but now going back and going, oh yeah, people were mean to me here. And then it was great here. And then stuff was bad here. And then it was good again here. Like it really does come back around and maybe things are really good right now for you. It's going to get tough again, but you know that you can get through it because you have. And so I just, it's with our son, it's important for me that he knows that, you know, like, like when things are tough, they're going to get good again. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've practiced like being able to say, this is the snapshot of time that I'm in right now. Mm, yeah. My life might be great this week. It might be horrific this week, but that's not that my life is horrific. It's this way in this right. moment. Just right now. Yeah. Hopefully it's five minutes, maybe five days, but not five years. You never know, but you're right. It does come and go. Yeah. Um, my grandparents would say that about their marriage. (laughs) 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 I don't think they'd say it was horrific, but they don't really fight. And so you'd say, well, that's interesting. Like, why don't you fight? And she goes, cousin, it's not going to matter in an hour. Like, you're going to get really mad at each other or whatever. And then an hour from now, you're going to forget or not be as upset or whatever. And, yeah. and that's, I think that's pretty true for life too. Maybe not an hour, but you know, it, it's, right. it could be bad right now, but it's not going to matter later. Well, that's beautiful that they recognize it and are able to share that. They're a pretty interesting group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, they've what, been married for like 60 years. Nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how you would use uh, your comedy to kind of cope back then. I'm, I'm curious how that transitioned into you making comedy your livelihood. Was there a point where it was, I'm, I'm funny and I'm going to do this or how did that journey happen? Yeah. I mean, it's a, was there a point? I don't know if there was like an exact point because I knew that I loved stand up, but I also knew that I wasn't like when I was being funny in real life, it wasn't like that. Like I wasn't putting on a performance of any type or like, mm-hmm. You know, it was just, I think it first started probably around that same time, you know, like sixth, seventh grade, whoever was sitting next to me would get the like under the breath comments that I have. I still have a hard time, like not saying them out loud for some reason, but not very loud. So there's always one person next to me that could hear it. And once people were <laughs> yeah, doing the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> well, they would be the one that would get in trouble because they were, yeah, laughing. They were laughing so loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, once I started noticing that there was more of a pattern with that of like, it didn't really matter who was uh, next to me or I don't know. Yeah. Or people who maybe before had been mean to me. And then it was basically, it was giving me positive attention, um, which that I didn't expect. I didn't. And especially when it's stuff, because I still do it where it's just kind of an observation that maybe not everybody saw. And you're just like, well, that's kind of silly, you know, whatever, say it under your breath. And then they laugh because they hadn't thought of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that person I don't know how many relationships have started like that for me of people just being like, Oh, I think I like this girl, you know, right. like she's, yeah, she's funny. She's whatever it is. It happened. Even my last day jobs. That was something that, 
you know, I got along with bosses because I would make some comment in a meeting on accident, <laughs> which I really didn't mean to, but it, you know, right. it just can't help myself. Yeah. It still worked. I was still in college getting in trouble for like making comments in class. <laughs> just never grow out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, but there was a time in, so I started watching a lot of standup when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Like I'd stay home to watch Friday night stand up on, um, comedy central and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> then it was maybe like my junior year in high school. It started to become apparent that if the group needed a story told, they would have me tell it. Mm-hmm. It would be like, Monica, okay. you tell it, you know, just, uh-huh. I think from a keeping attention point of view, but you know, but then like even, uh, you know, Thanksgiving break, then we'd come check in. How was your Thanksgiving? And I'd tell the stories about my family and they would just think it was hilarious. You know, I don't know. Then I started really kind of, it was almost that situation of like you standing in front of a group of people sitting down and just telling them a story really, but they were having a good time and everybody's paying attention and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I don't know if I equated the two at the time, but it wasn't short. It wasn't too long after that, that I started writing jokes Okay. Uh, it was probably my freshman year in college that I just started writing jokes and then I was playing basketball and then I got hurt and couldn't play anymore and had kind of looked into before, you know, where to do open mics or whatever. I mean, at the time, you yeah. know, when you catch a little kid, like trying to look up porn or something and they literally type <laughs> in like porn or like yeah. <laughs> boobs, you know, that was me Googling, like how to do an open mic. I was like, how do you become a comedian? You know, like, right. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know anything yeah. else. So that was, uh, that, and I swear, cause this was, you know, whatever, 2009, mm-hmm. uh, I probably Googled the same things 50 times sure. with the same answers in Seattle. You know, there's like yeah. at the time, whatever, it's five well, open it mics. When you're trying to get into something. You kind of have to keep I'll do it again. And like, we keep doing the same thing. Yeah. What if it changed and you're like, Oh, this, uh, this document on the comedy underground website, that's been the same since 1983. Like, no, that's not, (laughs) you know, yeah, there's just, yeah. So, um, uh, (laughs) I had looked it up and then took me probably like eight months. Um, and I had, I had already, you know, we had decided that I couldn't play anymore. And that was a big change in my life because I identified as a basketball player. And then that, you, you don't have that thing anymore. So there was a bit of like, well, who am I then? Um, so I went with a friend to <laughs> what was then, well, uh, giggles, but had, if you don't know the, the history of Seattle standup, <laughs> um, it did close maybe like two weeks before we go to go to this open mic and the owner's outside and he's like, Oh, are you here for the open mic? And we were like, yeah, we're just here to watch. And he goes, Oh, well, uh, we're making some changes, but it'll be back in like a month. And then in that month it became jiggles, which was the strip club. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they really did the open mic still, but then (laughs) that only lasted for like maybe six months. And then it tried to go back to giggles, but then like, because I did a show there at some point when they were kind of transitioning back and it was, there was still mirrors around you and like a pole on the stage and stuff. <laughs> and the back part, I had like all these velvet booths that were clearly wow. for lap dances and stuff. Um, for your private comedy, for yeah. your private jokes. And every person Maybe had to say bucks. something about the pole being on stage. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was, it, it. that didn't work out. And so it was probably like, yeah, six months after that, that I went to laughs in Kirkland 
watched with actually the same girl that I sat next to in science. She came with me to, to watch and see how it went. And, um, one of the guys she was with knew the guy who was hosting. And so we talked and they were like, yeah, just come do it next week. And I did. And I lied to Dave, sorry, Dave, um, that I brought people and I didn't, but it was January. So there was a bunch of people there from, you know, resolution comics, bring in six people and it went well the first time, but I felt, and now it's pretty obvious. I was overprepared. Um, you know, I had been practicing because you looked it up, right? Oh, I Googled it so many times. Yeah. So you have three minutes. Don't, don't say hi to the audience when you get on stage. That's like, you know, you don't, there's a bunch of people on this open mic. You don't need to be like, Hey, how you guys do it? So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. And then they're like, when you see the light, like wrap it up, don't burn the light, which I didn't quite understand what that meant, but also did, I guess. And I was like, okay, three minutes, this is the three minutes I'm going to do. So for like a year, <laughs> I was practicing this three minutes in the shower you know? Right. Yeah. So I was like very ready, which is funny because then at the bottom of that, it was like, don't over rehearse. It doesn't sound, you know, like there was just so many things which I probably, you didn't really remember, but, um, it went well. And then, you know, promptly after I had, I'm sure sets where I bombed on open mics, like we all do, but, Mm -hmm. But back then we didn't really think we were bombing. It was no, like, it was I, got, I, was, I got so many laughs and he listened to the tape. I was like, was oh, somewhere. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready yeah. to, yeah. And 12 years later, I'm like, I don't know if I am ready. Yet. <laughs> well, very entertaining. So that's you. You know, right. <laughs> but I think, I think there is that uh, as an entertainer, there's always that, that tie to whatever our last performance was that, we always expect to be getting better and better and better. And as soon as we have one that for whatever reason, the laughs weren't as loud or the following wasn't as big or the audience wasn't as big, you know, it's, it, at least I know for me, it's really easy to go into this. Well, how come that one didn't get as much? Yeah. Am I losing it or right. yeah. is it was me? it just it's an off night? Maybe, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which is, that's funny because, you know, we can have the same thoughts about stand up and your career that, you know, it's bad. Sometimes it's going to come back around. Don't worry, which is true. You know, I'm going to have a weird show on a Wednesday at a casino and then Friday's going to be great. You know, whatever. Um, and also like people made a lot of comments about the way that I dressed and my hair and stuff when I first did stand up. So I was like, Oh, we're just back to this again. This is fine. I'll get through it. You know, like, don't, <laughs> which is true. Eventually it was all fine, full but, circle, but now I'm yeah, on stage here. Exactly. Yeah. I'm starting over. This is me in third grade again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I always think it's funny how much advice you get in any part of life from people who haven't made it any further than you. Yeah. They aren't even as far along as you. It's like, well, you know, if you did this or you really, what I watch is that. I'm like, I'm glad that the, that advice is working out for you. I'll you know, yeah. find my own path. But. Well, and especially now things change so often, you know, people being like, when I first started, there was a, a comic. I won't say who it is because, well, whatever. I'll tell you later. Yeah. No, they just, um, it seemed like maybe it was a little bit of an intimidation factor with knowing who they are now, but, um, was like, don't make a website. Don't do any of this stuff. Don't, um, you know, don't do this joke. Don't do, I did NBC's like stand up for diversity when they were here, when I had only been doing stand up for like eight months, which hypothetically probably not the best idea, but whatever they were like, well, then they're going to remember you as, as not that funny, not true, you know, like just all these things. And then come to, maybe like four years ago, 
that same comic was asking my advice about what to do about certain things. So people are always going to tell you whatever they think at the time, maybe, and usually in a way where you're like, yep, I have to do that exact thing. And I don't think that's true. I think you have plenty of time and ways to do it. However it works for you. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing is if, if we all go up on the stage with the same presence, the same style, not very entertaining for the audience and someone else is already watching that somewhere else. So, yeah. And this has all changed so much. I mean, um, I lived in LA for three years and that was four years ago. Oh my God. Um, and then it was still like, you know, you need to be here or in New York and you need to do all, you know, TV is worth anything, which it is not now, <laughs> um, you know, you can't live anywhere else. And now you see everybody's moving or, you know, they can be successful from wherever they yeah. are and like, well, put your own stuff from to Moses get- Lake or exactly. whatever yeah. most random yeah. small town. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, people are producing their own specials and I think people got tired of so much gatekeeping and then realizing that like, oh yeah, the audience is right here. Sometimes, you know, it's up to you guys to consume what you want. It's not up to some network executive to decide what they want to consume. And so that's changed quite a bit, which is, yeah, the same thing, like whatever advice. I mean, even right now I could tell you, okay, you need to be on TikTok. You need to be doing stand-up reels on your Instagram and you need to, you know, whatever, monetize your YouTube, blah, blah, blah. But in uh, six months, that's not going to be what we're doing anyway. So we just, yeah, I think we take it very seriously and they maybe don't know what they're talking about either. Right. And it's also like, like I try to, if people ask me for, for things, like if they actually ask, yeah, I try to word in a way of, well, this is what's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and that's all I can say that might not work for you there's other stuff I have seen other people say to do and it hasn't worked for me but I might not be doing it right I'm not saying that doesn't work just for well, me that and I always encourage people to be as balanced as possible so we can give you whatever advice on how to cut your videos put them up do this blah blah, blah. but if those things are impeding on your ability to live a life that you want or have some sort of self-care or whatever, or family time or whatever it is like those, you don't have to sacrifice any of that for those things. And don't let people tell you, especially it's always going to be someone who's like, well, you're going to have to do this. And I know you have kids, so that's going to suck. It's going to be coming from someone who does not have kids. (laughs) Like that's always true. (laughs) And that's not, you know, we have plenty of examples of very successful people who have children and uh, wives and husbands and families. And you know, that, don't live in LA and it's, it's not the anomaly that people think it is. Yeah. You, you figure it out within whatever things you have to work around. He's yeah, definitely. Working. Yeah. So what do you have coming up or what, what do you want to make sure, you know, where's the place for people to go? We'll have the links in the, in the description below for people to click on, to get to your website. Now that you, I know you've got one. Yeah. I, I made to. it anyways. All right. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> but what do we need to know about? <laughs> Um, well, my website is monicanevy.com and that's got my live dates on there and some other, uh, you know, links to videos and stuff. Uh, YouTube has a lot of stuff on it, which is just youtube.com slash monicanevy. Um, we're doing one live stream maybe before this comes out. That's, you know, during COVID, we did decide that that was a good idea. Let's do some, some YouTube things. And it actually kind of kept us afloat for a while. And so I'm getting married October 1st. 
and some people had thank you uh some people had asked if they could like give us gifts which i feel weird about so i was like what if we do some live stream shows and then you know if they want to yeah donate the same way they would but you know you can say this is for your wedding kind of thing so um yeah youtube follow me on youtube or instagram everything's just my name at monica nevy and i'm pretty good about posting where my live dates are um but yeah if you want to uh see whatever i'm doing on the internet uh oh yeah and then i have i have a podcast called dumb pitches which is um i talk to successful people about their worst ideas i love that uh, thanks it's a <laughs> nice quick you know 25 30 minutes it's on youtube and on all the you know spotify right. apple all those different things too so that's that one's pretty fun excellent yeah. I know that all of you out there listening and watching are going to go click on all of Monica's stuff, give her some likes and follows, and you won't be disappointed because she's hilarious and informative and insightful. <laughs> all the good things. I don't want to peg you. It's just funny. You... No, I like it. Yes. Informative and insight. I don't know if informative is right, but <laughs> <laughs> I have insights. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Definitely. So before we go, what, what little advice might you leave people with on how they could own their awkward? Um, I mean, I kind of feel like it, it says it in the, <laughs> just based on my story, you know, it says it in the title there, but it's, um, whatever. I think people want you to think like, you, you know, uniqueness is great and you should be, you should embrace that. But I, th I think the bigger thing is if you feel good and you're not hurting anybody, then I think you should keep doing it. You know, if that, yeah. If you feel whatever safe or whatever thing you're into, if people or the way you dress or what sport you play or whatever, if they're not into that, but you still feel good, then fuck them. Whatever. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Because it really does come down to how it's making you feel and what you're getting, how, how you're feeding yourself with it. Yeah. I think that might be the most important thing in life. And I don't know if we give that enough um, is just feeling good. Mm -hmm. And if your ability to do that without any external, you know, um, whatever help, uh, if you can just be and feel good, like that's probably the ultimate thing. So if it makes you feel good and you're not hurting anybody, stick with it. Agreed. Well, Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun. Good. Well, it's, it's been nice and it's been fun to learn more about you and I've learned a lot. So I really appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to uh, congratulations and best wishes on the wedding. That's Thank you. <laughs> and uh, everybody else, be sure to uh, give Monica all the support you can. And as always, own your awkward. Thank you so much for listening in for today's show. Be sure to visit awkwardcareer.com to continue your journey. And of course, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends so they can find their awkward side and learn how to own it.